millennials, yeah, we back at it again. Versus the world, you know that we gon' win. Right by my side, got my family and kin. Go, NW man, his pockets yeah. K dot like Giannis, he keep it a buck. Millennials up and we ain't getting stuck. No, they ain't ready. You think we gon' stop? Maryland and DC, we got it on lock. Tune in, we live and you know we the spot. Panels and parties, you know how we rock. Uh, millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. Millennials versus the world. Hey man, what up, man? Welcome back to another episode of Millennials vs. the World. Man, it's your boy K Dot Mims, the only spot you get authenticity and entertainment at the same time. So by now, you've already seen the wellness project. Uh, you've seen the promos. Y'all know we've been driving. This is gonna be a super dope episode. We got a super dope soul on us. Uh, first, let me shout out cameraman Ty back there. Ty, what up? What up? Yes, what up? Sir, yes, sir. Y'all can hear me, but you can't see me. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> camera guy, man. So today we have somebody that has a super dope story, killing it in the wellness feel really killing it as an adult a millennial you know what i'm saying so destiny thank you so much for coming on and rapping with us today keenan thanks for having me for sure for sure for sure, for sure. so before we get into you know uh you know where you at career-wise where you at in the wellness field kind of take us back to where like you know your upbringing how it was uh where you're from what it was like for you coming up and all those things mm-hmm. so well let me just say thank you for having me i'm really excited to be here and for see sure, you two sure. again no doubt no um, doubt I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, actually. Oh, yeah, Carolina, North Carolina. <laughs> you yes. know. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Um, I actually grew up in a little town outside of Fayetteville called Rayford, and um, I moved to Raleigh for high school and then mm-hmm. um, college in Greensboro, and mm-hmm. I had a very interesting upbringing. I have four brothers mm-hmm. and um, very, like, traumatic slash um, neglectful childhood, mm-hmm. and that has definitely shaped who I am as an adult with mm-hmm. building intentional connections. Um, and, but also like had a lot of joy in terms of like community and the village mm-hmm. and like extended family. Um, so a lot to be thankful for, for sure. there in terms of resilience factors. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than it's like the very Southern like upbringing that I had, has like twisted me into like a different being. Like now I almost have um, like little snippets of those Southern values Mm -hmm. that I still hold on to. And also some that I have completely just abandoned in terms of like Southern tradition. Yeah. So let me ask this though. When you say very like, I won't say neglect, but traumatic. Cause I feel like the word trauma has been like a big thing now that we understand what it, what it is when you were younger i know you probably knew like this isn't right but did you know it was traumatic then or is it when you got older and realized what trauma was that it was traumatic then but so which one was it for you when you were younger did you know then like was it more than like this isn't right did you know the word trauma and what that was like or did you find it out later when you Mm -hmm. became like in the profession i did know that the experiences I had as a child were not right as they were happening. Mm -hmm. And I didn't learn the language until much later Mm. in my life that Mm -hmm. validated those experiences. But yeah, as they were happening, I had a soul experience that this isn't right. Like there shouldn't be this much chaos in my life. There shouldn't be this much tension and authority figures that I'm supposed to trust. There's supposed to be more caretaking and attention here. Gotcha. Um, so I had the aware, the spiritual awareness, but I didn't have the, the language to name it. Got you. So kind of take us through your like high school experience, college experience. Like how was that? How was it? Just how was it? Cause I think it's important that times are different now. Yeah. 
how we came up. Uh, I graduated high school in 09. So like how we came up high school now that I'm older, it was pivotal. Like, so I'm saying this because like a lot of people are stuck in their like high school phase mm-hmm. because I don't think we realize how big high school was like in that transition of life. Mm-hmm. So could kind of, you kind of tap into like, what was your high school experience? Like what was your college experience? Like, and then grad school experience? Like, yeah, high school was interesting for me. Like, I, w- I went to high school in Raleigh. Like I said, I went mm-hmm. to a huge high school. I graduated in 2010. Mm-hmm. I went to a huge high school in downtown Raleigh. And I was um, a dancer, so I danced in the contemporary company. I was on the hip-hop team. Mm-hmm. I was um, captain of the jazz team. Mm-hmm. So it looked like everything was fine. And um, I was taking the city bus to school. I had to apply to the high school that I went to. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, and so there was no busing um, for my high school in that zone. And so I had to have my grandparents pay for my bus cards so I could get on the bus at like 6 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning, go to school, um, and really fight my way through high school. Like mm-hmm. I worked at a drugstore. I had to like pay for all of my dance costumes and things like that. Um, and so everything was really in high school I was adulting. Like, Wow. Already. Mm. So, but high school, like my high school career was great. I had Mm. a lot of friends, very social and managing that with my home life was one of the things that made me who I am. Facts. Dope, dope, dope. How about college? College was fun too. Um, Were you, did you get, were you like, first of all, I wasn't a good high school. I was a okay high school student. Yeah. I was a good second two years of college student and I was a phenomenal grad school student. That's funny. Cause I was, because I was never dumb. I just didn't have a lot of interest in school. Yet. But yeah. when I got that letter freshman year, like, Hey boy, if you don't get this together in college, we're going to say Chuck the deuces. So like how, how was your schooling experience from an educational standpoint? Was school always easy for you? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, was it the social part that was yeah. difficult? Was it the education part that was difficult or it was kind of like free flowing? Like, School was very fluent for you. It was easy to get through. So I was smart. um, Mm. And I think I would have done way better in high school if I had like the more positive structured home life. But Mm -hmm. yeah, college, I got, I graduated with, I think like a 3.98 GPA. So there was no, there, because I had the financial aid, I had my basic needs met, I had food, I had housing. Mm -hmm. I was able to like focus in on academics. There was Mm -hmm. nothing that was holding me back as a barrier. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, whereas in high school, I was cultivating those leadership skills and then shifting into college, I was cultivating more of my academic, the scholarly self, gotcha. which then like was able to inform like more about my career and, and push me into graduate school several years later. But yeah, in terms of your question regarding academics, I always loved reading and writing. Um, and so... <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, socially, academically, mm. once everything was in place, I was good to go. So, so why, why a therapist? Why the wellness field? What, what? I know you kind of talked on your childhood, being you know those things, but like, what made you? And you tapped into it on the wellness clip, but like, what was really like the thing that was like, yo, this is what I'm going to do, and why? Yeah. Well, actually, I had no idea. Like, when I was in college, I studied psychology and dance. I was just, like, there to be there. I didn't even think I was going to go to college. I worked at a drugstore, like I said, in high school and thought I'm going to be a small-town girl probably all my life Mm. and probably just, like, have little odd jobs Mm -hmm. until my best friend's mother, who was the attendance lady at my high school, encouraged me to apply to college. And so 
that's the only way I ended up going to college. So I had no idea what I was going to study or what career I was going to have. I mm -hmm. knew that I liked reading and writing and psychology seemed to fit those needs for me. And then I mm -hmm. knew I loved dancing. And so I double majored. And then I took three good years off after college and I partied, I danced hey, professionally, hey, I traveled, I had, like I said, no real career trajectory. And then I started working in case management with clients that had mm -hmm. severe psychosis and substance use disorders. And it felt really interesting to me to hear about their trauma mm -hmm. and their childhood experiences and then to see their coping mechanisms, how they would develop um, dis dissociation or, you know, these delusions. How however their coping got them to where they were, their substance use, whatever it was. And that made me interested in mental health. And so I studied clinical mental health counseling. And, of course, it tied everything together from my childhood experiences, too. Dope. So I did not know that. How was that? Traveling, dancing, professional? How was that? Dancing professionally in D.C. was tough because there's no Ooh. money in it. Oh, wow. I, so, I would never thought that. You know, the cost of living in D.C. is it's like, crazy. it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, you can, you can dance, like have fun. I was in rehearsals all day, all night, like making no money and barely eating. Wow. Yeah. So what was you doing to take care of your mental health at the time when it was like that? Or was it just like you were young, enjoying it, so it didn't really matter? Exactly. Like, my aunt and uncle luckily allowed me to live with them, so mm -hmm. I didn't have to focus so much on finances. Mm -hmm. um, so really, my mental health was the best it ever was. Like, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that my aunt and uncle were yeah. there. They were the uh -huh. most reliable parental figures I'd ever had, and they were, like, allowing nope. me to, like, leave the nest and journey out and explore myself. And it was like, okay, great. I'm going to use this mm -hmm. and, like, um, take full advantage of this opportunity and they loved me enough to like always be there um, oh, wow. as that like base oh that's dope that's yeah. dope that's dope salute to them so uh you decided to be a therapist you're doing the you, so let me ask this though how much did seeing their experiences the 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 casework like when you're doing case case management how much did that change if any your opinion on the need of people to understand therapy or at all like did you did it because you know how like i'm an educator right like everybody need a good teacher but when i got in the room i was like oh snap like we need them need them like mm -hmm. i thought we needed them on level five like it was just a thing but like nah this is like a very big foundation to a lot of kids bro you know what i'm saying like so doing that how much if any did it change your thoughts on how bad people need it or like when you when you got into it it was like nah I knew they needed it. I'm here now. This is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely. Does that make sense? Does that question make sense? Yeah, for okay. sure. It boosted my feeling of therapy needs to be more known. Mm. It needs to be more accessible for people. Mm. And it also really showed me that people don't understand or connect to their own big T or little T trauma histories. Oh, and wow. A lot of people think, oh, that just happened to me. That didn't affect me at all. Like, I can just put that on the shelf and move on. Mm -hmm. When really we lose an opportunity to have full awareness of how something impacted us oh, and wow. to grow from it. So not only did it show me, like, okay, therapy is a necessary field and it needs to be um, more accessible to people, like I said, mm -hmm. but it also 
showed me like we need to talk more about uh, trauma. We need to validate people's experiences more and let them know that they are not alone and that the secrets don't have to just stay tucked away uh, on the shelf. Like we can bring them out and discuss them and process them in a, in a way that's healthy. So this is a complete sidebar. You can say, no, I'm not answering this, but I have a question. So people that experience traumatic stuff that kind of like got through it, but it was definitely traumatic, but they don't ever talk about it. They just get through life and they seem quote unquote. Okay. Is that still a trauma response or does it mean that that wasn't traumatic to them? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's, such a broad question on an individual level it would take some more um analysis but Mm -hmm. there is a possibility that and and there are lots of people who are resilient to things that have happened and they're able to move forward and lead healthy lives we all have differing levels of resilience Mm -hmm. and we also have differing levels of buffers that assist us with getting through big t little t traumas Mm -hmm. and so when we're you know growing up in that Um, adverse community environment and let's say our community is like just run with um, drugs and and litter unhealthy um, food options things like that if we have family that is able to serve as a buffer there between us and our adverse community Mm -hmm. then it it helps us build resilience it helps Mm. us know that like we're gonna actually be supported through that um and so, yeah, we all have different levels of trauma. There is, though, the trauma response of repression and suppression, just like mm. forgetting it, letting mm-hmm. it sit in your subconscious and impact you in subtle ways that you might not identify or intentionally just putting it on the shelf so that you compartmentalize and you move forward. Yeah. So the, I was about to say dope, but it's crazy. And the reason why, let me just dig a little deeper for myself. The reason why I ask is because, like, you know, I lost my mother. Um, it'll be 10 years ago this July and it's like even though I got through it been through it I don't know what deemed something traumatic this Mm -hmm. is my personal opinion like Mm -hmm. I get that it was traumatic Mm -hmm. but like to I guess to the point that you're making is like I guess it's how good you were taught to emotionally handle things Mm -hmm. where you can like experience and get through them so I've always been interested in different professionals opinion of just like that I don't want to say obstacle course, but like that obstacle course of emotion when something mm-hmm. big happens, yeah. because I still have moments to this day. You feel me? Like you still go through some of the things you saw. You may cry here. You may smile here, but it's like, I don't, I don't just, I don't want to sound bad, but I don't know about demon is trauma. Mm-hmm. I feel like it affected me. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But like, I've always seen trauma as like something somebody relives all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know if I relive it, but it bothers me, you know, when I get a memory or something like that. So that's why I asked that question. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, moving on. Move, well, uh, Kina, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, you, it's your world. Your next it's, question. It's, it is your world. Come on. <laughs> but I lost my mother in 2010. It was my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And um, we sorry to hear that. My condolences. We didn't. Yes. Thank, you, thank you. We didn't have the best relationship, though. So it's it wasn't as. Um, impactful as you and your mother, you were very close. And so, mm-hmm. um, but there are those grief memories that come mm-hmm. up. I mean, that's quite common when we've experienced loss. And when you're talking about like trauma and not being sure kind of like how to categorize that for yourself, mm-hmm. you're able to identify like, okay, maybe I had some social supports in place. Like that served as a, a buffer for me 
in my recovery, but those grief experiences are common that we would have those like Mm -hmm. memories or thoughts or feelings of missing a loved one. And that that's quite common and healthy with loss. Oh, wow. So is grief, I know there's seven steps. Am I right? Seven steps? Oh, don't even quote me on the, there (laughs) there are several theories of like the stages of grief. But is it, is it, is it cyclical? Does it ever stop? Or is it like you get through, once you get through step, let's say last step is done. No, there's no endpoint, and I did not know that. Yeah, there, there's no endpoint, and also there's no beginning point. Like mm. sometimes people are surprised that like a loved one hasn't reacted properly. Like, mm. oh, they're not crying, they're yeah. not really responding to this grief. Like, there's no real starting point to grief. It mm. kind of shows up how it shows up individually. It's it's an individualized experience. And and to your point. Um, and, and I'll ask the question I didn't forget, but it made me think about this. Like I, I was almost 28 when I realized you didn't have it, gr- death is not the only thing you can grieve over, mm-hmm. like losing friendships. Yes. I didn't even know, like, say if you broke an arm and you could never use it the same way you'll grieve over being Absolutely. able to use it. But it was like mind boggling, like mm-hmm. transitioning. Cause I think about it now, <laughs> my wife and wife now, fiance at the time and within 18 months, I lost my mother, graduated college, moved to uh, Northern Virginia, started my career, and got married. Wow. But being 22, you just like, oh, we out here getting it. Yeah. And then, like, as the, now that I'm older and the emotional avalanche that came with all those things so close together, I realize now, like, that probably wasn't the best yeah. five transitions to put together. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I was grieving, moving away from my friends. Like, mm-hmm. I was back home, like, every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, bro. And this is what hit me. Somebody said, like, do you even live in VA? Because you're down here more than like, every weekend I see you. I'm yeah. like, damn, do I? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So disconnected from them was a grief, a grieving thing. Sure. But made me think of something else. How often, how normalized do you think society wants getting over things to be? Like, you know how your job gives you two weeks and you got to, or three days of, of bereavement time, you got to be back. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, you get in a car accident, you can't be trauma. It's like, hey, get back to it. Hey, we're going to cut you this check so you can go buy the next car. Like, in your opinion, do you think society tries to push normalizing, getting over things quick? Mm-hmm. And completely your opinion. It's, you take it wherever you want. I feel like there is economic benefit in that. Like there's an economic benefit to your job getting you back into work quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think mentally like we've really put in kind of the rule book about how much or how quickly we heal mm. from things. And there is no rule book. And this this whole thing about normalizing is odd because we have so many experiences are really nuanced and individualized and our social media world is telling us to normalize so many different things Mm. when it's just okay to simply be you like have your own experience advocate for yourself at work if you need more time off Mm. you know whatever it is but normalizing a thing that is very nuanced is impossible Ah, that's crazy. I never, I see it so much that, so are you saying like, this is going to be a weird question, Destiny, mm-hmm. get me. So is that like saying like there's no such thing as, like our normal is based upon our life Yeah. versus there's no like, 
generalized normal, if that makes sense. Like, there's no common normal for me, you, him. Is that is that kind of the vibe that you're saying when you say that? Exactly. I mean, I think to a certain extent, like, there are some things that just need to be in place. Like, yeah, yeah, we, for sure, for sure. we can have, like, a baseline for some things. Mm-hmm. But yes, at a certain point, you're going to have to recognize that, okay, this experience is normal for me. My anxiety, my level of grief, Mm -hmm. my depression, whatever it is, is normal for me. I Mm -hmm. cannot have the expectation that the rest of society relates to me on this topic. There is no normalizing my individualized experience. Mm. Yeah. I ain't thinking about that. So, what? That's crazy. It's like um, the spectrum of the individual is like never ending. Yeah. So it's really, you can't normalize anything, to be honest. Right. Bro, and it makes you think, like, it makes you think how much of a hold does social media really have on us. Mm. Because it's like, it's almost like when you hear that and you read, what social. if you go down your timeline, there's mm-hmm. nowhere near the same in that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're always saying normalize. Basically, somebody decided something that was popular and say normalize this. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, dad, we should. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, social media is like a quick way to adjust everybody to a social construct mm-hmm. whether it be correct or incorrect it's mm-hmm. just a platform to bring everybody together towards ideas and sometimes those ideas aren't very conducive to what's healthy mm-hmm. Factual. and it's a beautiful thing to be validated right if something yeah, feels yeah. like oh wow i thought i was the only person that was going through that mm-hmm. and there Ooh. are other people who experience that and relate mm-hmm. to that that's a beautiful thing. Validation feels so good and affirming. Mm-hmm, it does. And also, when you don't get that validation, especially on social media, mm-hmm. it can send people into a frantic tizzy. Yeah. Like, wait, mm-hmm. someone didn't accept this about me, and now I'm feeling unlike myself, lacking confidence, depressed, wanting to isolate, like, whatever the consequences are. Mm-hmm. And we need to really encourage more self-esteem in our own nuances, our own way of, of being. Yeah. I'm, I, that social media bag is half us up. That's got to be like, a, I'm going to say this. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to jump out. Okay. I'm jump in and I'm going to jump out. Three and a half things about social media to this point. Social media had, it. it all you're doing is comparing all day. Right. You know what I'm saying? And to your point, like to, to both of you, you all's point, I think it becomes a problem when you don't control who you follow. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in 10 different communities, that norm for that community may be normal. Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I watch athletes all the time and it's straight working out discipline, and then I'm a foodie, I'm in the foodie world, then I'm very spiritual. So, I mean, it's too many, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Cross mm-hmm. paths of what you're saying and what you're, what you're digesting. That's why I had to learn, like, bro do not i'm not telling anybody this and i'm not a professional at all but like i don't think anybody should start their day with social media yo. i don't care what it is you know what i'm saying because like there's no way you can be on something and say it doesn't influence you mm-hmm. i don't believe that i don't believe if i check your time on your social media not not really but like say if yours says three hours and yours says six mm-hmm. your influence may be bigger and hers may be smaller, but it still influenced y'all what you saw that day. You know I what I'm saying? I definitely agree. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even being married, like I'll say this, like I'm not like certain famous people. I unfollow, bro. Like that's not, that's not, that's not, I don't think, because you know what social media make you do? Mentally judge the people around you based yeah. off what you're seeing. Exactly. Whether that's your wife, friend, dog, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it makes you judge that. And I'm like, damn, like. I don't even want to live like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at this thinking like, 
this is normal because yeah. everybody on social media the the yeah, whole your generation like in it in it too mm-hmm. it, the whole person's identity is kind of skewed and we gravitate towards concepts and ideas of mm-hmm. a person like if we continuously see a person that's um like for example if i see a famous athlete or somebody up and coming in an athlete atmosphere and i'm continuously watching them i'm just seeing the concept of them oh they're achieving higher they're getting higher and higher instead mm-hmm. of seeing like okay He's have like you were saying, they're having their own individual experience. They're still going through hardships. They're still going through traumas. They're still, you know, learning their identity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we just see the highlights. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're all going to, you know, we're going to, our self-esteem is going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. So, in this realm, and then we'll, I still remember my question. But in this realm, how do you, knowing these things and knowing all the knowledge you've gained on the wellness side, how do you manage social media yourself? Like, not in the literal sense, but like, how do you use it if you do, and like, but leave it at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Leaving it at the front door. How do you do that if you do do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I barely post on social media just because I'm. I feel these days a lot of um, empathy for the experiences that other people are having specifically Mm. regarding COVID-19 and and loss. And um, Mm. there's like an economic transition right now. So Mm. there are a lot of people experiencing financial hardship. And because of my upbringing, I feel like, well, I don't want to flaunt my life right now. I'm feeling Mm. like I don't want to put it in people's face that like me and my like shit to dog are riding in my convertible like to the park you know like got you yeah i'm so i'm having an experience of like navigating my relationship to social media based on what i don't want people to see mm. where um that's very compassionate it is bro that's that that's dope it's very compassionate and and also i love seeing what other people are doing mm. and so that's that's the difficult balance for me sometimes is like, um, you know, why don't I want to share those Mm -hmm. things when Mm -hmm. other people, when I love being a part of other people's curated experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, so I don't really post on social media except if I'm promoting one of my workout classes and I'll post a playlist, post a quote, post a little snippet of my puppy and then, Keep it rocking until the next week. Question. So with social media. Interns, bro. Like, what? It's me behind the camera. Like, this dude really starts at question. Do you mind if I ask another question? Like, you didn't just say yeah. it. Like, go ahead, bro. Okay, okay, okay. You almost made me lose the question. Okay, so here we go. With social oh, media. So. Oh, he can hear me. Yeah, I definitely can hear you. <laughs> So with with social media, right? Um, is social more, media big more, for you? It's more of a state statement more than a question. It's not big for me. It was big for me at a time. I want you to get your question. I'm gonna ask out there. Ask your question. Okay. So I don't. It, it's more of a statement. I don't mm-hmm. think social media is inherently terrible. I think it can be very fantastic, but it's a very complex issue that we're still learning. So I feel like. You know how you were talking about repressing emotions and everybody's level of um, what was it? What, what, what were we talking about when we were talking about um, 
Resilience, grief. Grief, Mm -hmm. grief. I feel like everyone's level with social media is similar to that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way that they compare themselves, the way that they navigate through it. Okay, now I can be on social media freely. Mm -hmm. I feel like those tie Mm -hmm. in together Mm -hmm. in some way. So my separating thing was, and, and I've seen social media on two ends. I've seen it like where young people like literally are like, if it didn't happen on social media, it's not it real. Happen, like, yeah. it's almost like their reality. That's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? And then I've seen on my end, like, I think when you say it's fantastic, I feel mm-hmm. like when you use it as a tool yeah, to, to, to remember birthdays, to communicate with people mm-hmm. that you may not see all the time. And people, and, and I'm like this, when I, when we're locked in, family members, friends, and I see kids and our, my cousins, to me, it just makes me know that you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a tool for me, a communication tool mm-hmm. when it comes to business. I, bro, I we create the content, we post it, because there's a specific reason why I'm trying to get this out here. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think when you use it, this is the best way I can put it. At some point, in some point in time, we've, we had to put, we don't escape reality by using, we escape reality by technology instead of the other way around. Like mm-hmm. we're in technology all the time and have to escape to be in reality mm-hmm. versus like being in reality all the time. Like when I was young, you play games. That was mm-hmm. your escape. You were in reality, like, bro, I'm about to play this game, a fighting game, and let this steam off. Mm-hmm. But now we're to the point, we got to escape technology just to yeah. be in reality. Yeah. yeah. So that's when it's not a tool anymore when like you have to decompress and like your decompress is straight, like, a dump of everybody else's world mm-hmm. for two. You know what I'm saying? It's like a drug. Mm-hmm. It's worse than drugs, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because because I think like, see, we might get a whole other bag, bro. You, you see what I'm okay. saying? Okay, <laughs> take me down a whole other bag. Mm-hmm. But I, the reason why I think it's worse mm-hmm. is because when you're a drug addict, right? I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. When you're a drug <laughs> disclaimer, addict, I'm not. When you're a drug addict, though, like it's almost like you. You kind of know. I'm just trying to, to, for lack of a better term and story, like, say if it's a drug you're dealing with, say you're a functional alcoholic, right? High functional. It, it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're doing it and it's like, you know you're doing it, I guess I got to go buy it type thing. Mm-hmm. The, I hope this makes sense. The scariest thing about social media to me is so embedded in our day mm-hmm. that we don't even realize how embedded mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, we don't acknowledge how powerful that it can like when you got it, brain. If, yeah. like every time your phone go in hand and you got to check three different apps just to see if you missed something, mm-hmm. that's too embedded to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm not saying it can't be like a, a drug, and I'm not comparing social media to addiction. Please, don't. No, it's not that platform. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. But but uh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh yeah, that just. I mean that there is such a thing as mm-hmm. an addiction to social media. I mean, mm-hmm. like, even though it's normalized, just because everyone does it doesn't mean that it's right. I mean, yeah. you know, you have to think about your level of involvement in something. If it's unhealthy, if it's something mm-hmm. that you can't manage, if it's out of your control, you know, think about the criteria for addiction. Go, go ahead, Des. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that's something a lot of people have difficulty coming in terms with. I mean... In terms of substance use, you I mean, you remember being a kid back in the day and be like, well, all my friends do it. Like, mm. it, it's it's cool because, like, all my friends do it. And your parents would be like, well, if they jumped off the bridge, would you go after them? Like, just because it's normalized and all your friends do it, 
don't make it right. Like you have to think about That's your true. own level of mm-hmm. comfort and connection to something. If it's mm-hmm. unhealthy, then you might need to consider whether you need to reroute your behavior. Got you. I got you. Uh, did you need to take that call or? No, that is I funny. did not <laughs> like, take the call. Like, do you not see firsthand? What I'm, but but let me say this: while I'm giving a hard time, he is that guy behind the camera. He just, you know, what I'm saying, y'all yeah, heard but it. He is. Don't that guy. cut that out. He is that guy. <laughs> Don't cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not because I, I, I'm, I, I give it both ways. You feel me? I'm not going to just yeah. get you and not give you your props. But Appreciate to to, to uh, were you done with the, the uh, social media thing, or did you have another question? We it's more neuroscience. Okay, yeah, we're not going that deep. Yeah. All right, so so so, <laughs> so it's okay. I got you. Appreciate yeah. you. So uh, the next thing I want to, which ties into what you were saying, like uh, with dancing and things like that, uh, and fitness. Um, how much of that is a balance for you? Mm-hmm. Still, mm-hmm. like dancing, being physical, working out. How much of a balance is that for you? And where do you believe that helps people who think like I'm not into working out? How much does movement help? Is it connected to the mental piece Mm -hmm. for you and then for others? Yeah, movement is medicine for me. Um, Mm -hmm. There has never been a time in my life where I didn't use movement to heal from something or to understand something or to just stop using my like verbal language and use like my spiritual language. Like movement definitely takes me out of my mind and gets me into a body space that's like more animalistic it like gets Mm. me away from the societal expectations um so yeah i use movement every day in many ways Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you think about the clip (laughs) 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 yeah i mean that's true like Mm -hmm. there's no I think sometimes when people have not been introduced to movement in a way that feels nourishing mm-hmm. or when they have been, um, take their, their bodies have been taken advantage of and they are not in control of it or have not been in control of it, then they don't get the relationship with movement that mm-hmm. can serve as medicine. Um, and that's why I love yoga I remember taking my first yoga class when I was in college and I was studying dance and it was I was supposed to be in a ballet class and we had a substitute that day and we did yoga and I was like what is this like hippie mess I was was totally not into it like I wanted to be in my ballet shoes in my leotard like you know is that doing the um doing my like you know doing my ballet thing Mm -hmm. and like just the idea of going into like a downward dog and like putting my hips up in the Mm -hmm. air was absurd to me and I felt leaving that class I felt like so disrespected like how in the world could (laughs) you come into my ballet class and like do that Mm -hmm. and then I kept thinking about it and Mm -hmm. like I'm like oh I kind of want to like experience that sensation again there was something about that sensation Mm -hmm. That was so new and nourishing in a way that I need to explore. And so, you know, from from then on, I've been practicing yoga in different ways and exploring different types of yoga. And it's it's an opportunity for me to journal without writing and without like being in language. Sometimes there are experiences that 
there are no words for that yeah. I just need to get out in my body. Dope. And that's how I use like fitness, whether it's yoga, um, dance, you know, in, any kind of nourishing movement. And, and it's crazy you say that because, you know, somebody else, you know, Britt that's on, on, on the, on in the project too, he was saying like literally certain movements release emotion. Mm-hmm. Like in yoga, I was like, yo. So to hear you say like journaling without writing or anything, yeah. it, it's crazy to like, to hear like, we did at my job, my principal bought in a yoga instructor. And like I'm not gonna lie. Lunchtime, we doing yoga. But yo, that was probably the best evening I had. Cause mm-hmm. it was just so like it's so something. Mm-hmm. It, it, and the only reason you feel awkward is because you haven't done it long enough to like it to be normal. But like, yo, yoga is a big like thing, like a great thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not the most flexible, but that movement is, is 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 really 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 good for anybody mm-hmm. i would think mm-hmm. so so what so kind of like transitioning to like um where you are now as far as uh because you kind of alluded to this before the mic but i want to kind of tap into that when you were saying like we were talking about burnout you were saying how like you do your your movement helps you you know basically daily do things that you feel better about uh you're in a the wellness field and a lot of times it's hard to to for humans, period, just to like, if you're talking to people all day, not taking on them problems, like burnout is a big thing right mm-hmm. now. Self-care is a, bur- a big thing right now. How do you apply that to doing all the things you do? Because you're kind of honestly available to a lot of people all the time. So like, mm-hmm. how does that look for you? Mm-hmm. Well, there is a strong sense of values and like foundation that I have about myself that allows me to be open for people enough mm-hmm. and to reel it back in when mm. I've been sucked of all my energy. Gotcha. Um, whereas I think a lot of people who have burnout issues really have difficulty creating and maintaining boundaries. And mm. so I know for myself, I need some away time, whether mm. it's, you know, a week in, um, Africa or whether it's just two days snuggling my puppy. Mm. And so I'm going to build that into my schedule because it serves as a refresh for me. Mm. My refreshes don't always come on the days that I need them. There are some days where I'm like, uh, this is a lot today. Mm -hmm. Today would be a great refresh day, but I do build in opportunity for me to have that kind of downtime so that I can be available to people when, when I need to be and when I, when I want to be, Mm. um, I know that, you know, there's the saying you can't pour from an empty cup and I can't even be there for me if Mm. I am exhausted from work and fitness and, you know, there all day I'm literally in sessions or I'm at a studio teaching. There's Mm. like this consumption of my energy and if at the end of the day, I don't even feel like showing up for myself, then I know that that's not a good, I've never gotten to that point, but I've heard where that's happened to people where mm-hmm. they're like, I've neglected myself completely and I don't want myself to get to that point. I don't allow myself yeah, to yeah, get yeah, to so that yeah. point. And so I build in that intentional time. It's just like people carving out time to pray. You need that time to just navigate your internal experience you want to give gratitude for things that you're um, thankful for in your life and your day and the people 
and also request things from your higher power that mm. you've been wanting. And that's what people should do for themselves as well. So, you know, at, like half of these really aren't even thought of, but you say things that make me think about it. Boundaries. I heard you talk about like people that experience burnout is like really big with not being able to set good boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So like, can you tap into two, two kind of two part question? How do you set them so well? Because you said you don't really get to that point where you, you know, where you burn out. Mm -hmm. And what, if any, are some of the hardest things that you've experienced with, like, that you see why people can't create boundaries, if mm -hmm. that makes sense? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing for me when I notice that people have difficulty setting boundaries is that they don't have a strong sense of their value system. Mm. When when you don't know what your values are, when you don't have like a value statement for your life, then you're just doing things. You're just mm. action oriented with no purpose, no goal, no intention. When people are strong in their values, they know what they stand for. They know what's important to them. Then they're going to be able to set boundaries. No, this isn't important to me. This isn't on my priority list. It's not significant. So I'm going to have to say no to that opportunity. Mm. Or yes, you know, my family is really important to me. This relationship is significant. And so this is something that I'm going to allow into my life. When people are not sure or they're like so interested in people pleasing that they've neglected themselves, then there's typically that issue with either too soft, too flexible boundaries, mm -hmm. or too rigid. How, what made you okay with being able to set boundaries like, mm, no, I'm good? I I think because of my that upbringing where I was so neglected and just like, you know, had an absent mother. Um, my father lived in a different city. I like really was a parentified child. Mm. I learned early on to to set boundaries because I had two little brothers that I was caretaking for wow. and a mother who I was caretaking for, who was a substance user. There was a, a lot wow. of opportunity for me to learn early on the yes and no's of things like gotcha. it's survival. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, being more in tune with not letting people or, or things take advantage of time that wasn't important to me. Like, even when you you mentioned earlier, well, I'm not crying, bro. It's something in my eye. For real. That's what they all say. <laughs> no, no, it's really something in my eye. Go ahead, Daphne. Even... I feel I feel like you're watering a bit. Something going to drop. So I'm like, no, nah, but ain't. <laughs> no, nah, I'm serious though. Something really. Hey, look at him back there. <laughs> Tear it. I say anything. But when you you earlier when you said before we mic'd up, you were saying like you're so straightforward via text message. It's because. If you leave too much opportunity for people to misunderstand you, they don't know. You wouldn't have known that I was in the middle of my work day Factual. if I didn't tell you I'm in the middle of my work day. You know, like if if you don't clarify for people what your fence is, it's just like having a fenced in yard. If you don't clarify like, OK, this is what's happening in my fence and the gate's not open right now, mm -hmm. then they they don't have an opportunity to give you the respect that you want and need. Now, if you are setting boundaries and people are still disrespecting them, then that's an opportunity Boy. for you to shut it down. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I set up this fence for you. I said my mm -hmm. gate was closed and now you've just jumped my fence. And now I'm going to have to make new rules for this relationship. A lot of people don't have um, really the confidence sometimes mm -hmm. or the language to be able to boundary set. 
but really, and, and that's okay, that can always be worked on, but really it's the foundational values that people lack when they're not boundary setting. What's important to me? Um, and what am, what are my missions, my goals, intentions for life? Yeah. And to like even to the text message thing, like, you know what I had to learn? If it's not extremely short or extremely long, just don't read tone. If you read the words for what they are, so disclaimer, dealing with adults, and I mean adults as in like maturity. Like <laughs> some there's some thirty five year old, eighteen year olds out here, if you understand what yes. I'm saying. But like if you're dealing like like me, I know I, I know there was no malicious or no disrespect. No, you was telling yeah. me straight like but see like I hate I've text people that like read exclamation points. That makes me so mad. <laughs> like yeah. like literally take it like you yell. I get in the grand scheme of something like no, I think if we're texting and my autocorrect puts that there instead of a period if you just read the words, mm. because it was like a simple three, four sentences. Like, I don't think it's usually extremely long with somebody trying to get a nasty message through or extremely short, like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't read tone that way because if you did, it goes back to like us. I'm sorry to go back in this bag. It goes back to us reading everybody else's stuff through like their captions all day long. Mm -hmm. So you try to read their tone based off the picture you're seeing. Mm -hmm. So when you get a regular text, you think you got to read a tone mm -hmm. and you don't. It's literally again, what it uh, is with adults. Mm -hmm. There's some petty people out here. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And with the boundary thing with me, I had to learn. You just called me out for real, for real. I didn't even know like the value thing, mm -hmm. like what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bro, my family, like I just really yeah. realized like I can't take my eye off of it. If it don't, it's crazy you said that because you actually like answered the question for me when I didn't even know like it was that mm -hmm. because I can tell somebody easily like oh no nah, bro I can't do that yeah like, I can definitely identify with that as well you know what I'm saying like I'm not and I've learned to say I'm not interested in that yeah like that don't serve me bro like exactly I'm not interested in doing that because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times peer pressure is not like hey let's go do this mm -hmm. hey let's go do this I feel like just being in some environments peer pressure oh, and yeah. doing dumb stuff you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying so I can say. Now, confidently, I'm not interested in that. This so, is not uh, significant to me. It was something you said. This is not significant mm -hmm. to, you know, what I want. That's strong. Yeah. It, it is, bro. But that is strong. it goes back to the value thing. It goes the back foundation, to the foundation. Yeah. And I don't know if we were taught properly what we value. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody taught mm -hmm. manners. That's like that general normalization, mm -hmm. right? Politeness. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, like, do we value? Like, my wife. She's an introvert. She mm -hmm. values alone time. Mm -hmm. I'm not interrupt. Nobody, including myself, if when she needs it, I'm not messing with that mm -hmm. because it's of true value. Mm -hmm. And and to your point, I think boundaries would change the world. I can't remember this lady's name. God forgive me. She she read this. I read this book called "Set Boundaries and Find Peace." Mm -hmm. She's a therapist. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. life changing. Because mm -hmm. it was talking about boundaries work, like people busting in your office when you're eating lunch. Yes. Like you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. people, like certain things, like Just jumping the fence, mm -hmm. bro. Like you get exactly. out your car, people talking to you in the in the in the uh, uh, parking lot. Like I didn't realize how many boundaries get crossed in a day yes. until I read that book. I'm like. And all those take a piece of your energy, a piece, mm -hmm. a piece, a piece. And that's probably why a lot of people experience burnout. That's a contributing factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It, it is. It that's is. It. But so with along with those things and you managing that and you're doing some really some really great things. Not necessarily to from your childhood, but like what are some of the challenges you experienced? Just just being able to perform 
being able to have success at this level, I believe success is individualized, but like, what are some challenges you face being a therapist in the wellness field? You know what I mean? Or, or, or uh, dance? Well, dancing, I guess. Is it more personal now? You still do it somewhat professionally or do you just do it for yourself now? Yeah, I don't dance professionally now, just um, teaching fitness. Okay, so what are some of the challenges in those arenas, teaching fitness and being a therapist that you, for you personally? Hmm. If any, it may not be any. Yeah, I think the challenges that I experience at this point in my life are really insignificant to even mention. Like, um, Life is good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's not, see, but I, that's good that yeah. life is good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like there. it's nothing about my job. Like I love my career. I'm launching a business that's, um, you know, still very fresh. And I have some challenges in terms of being an entrepreneur, you do it so well and make it look so easy, but it's, it's quite a difficult thing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but in terms of my career as a psychotherapist and, um, a fitness instructor now, my challenges are essentially depleted. Like I have to Mm -hmm. write notes. I have to show up for a class. I have to make a playlist. Like, you know, things are, things are good. I I think like earlier on in my career when I was learning communication and like Mm. still holding on to a lot of those Southern values, like Mm. don't speak unless you're spoken to or like be obedient to authority and Mm. you know, all of those things I had to shed. Sheesh. You have to tap into that. I know that was hard. Like what was that like? I'm I'm so sorry to cut you off. Please. I apologize. What was that like in when did you realize that those values don't serve you in the career and your trajectory of life? Yeah, I I learned it. Luckily, it looks like there's another question. <laughs> no, nah, I just had a, a question after you. Okay. But okay. I didn't want to interrupt. So. Um, I think I learned it early on, like moving from I moved from college the day after I graduated into um, Maryland, D.C. area. That's crazy. I did not know that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. I did yeah. not know that. And the day after too? Yes, yeah. literally. Yeah. Literally. Maybe like three or four days, but like it was literally the same week. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I just realized there was a lot more like self-advocacy here than in North Carolina. Like in mm-hmm. North Carolina, you, you're you seen, not heard, especially as like an attractive young woman. You're like supposed to find a husband that does all like the speaking and the leading. Mm-hmm. Traditional. And yeah, very energy. traditional values. Mm. And I started to develop like my own thinking about like, well, actually, all these other people around me aren't living that kind of a life. Like, mm. you know, DC is like so progressive. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I shed, luckily, I was able to shed those values early on that like, um, it, it's, it was challenging at first, though. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to not, um, it's hard to speak up to authority when you're so used to like, okay, well, this is you know, be obedient to authority. This person's higher up in the company than me. They must mm-hmm. be right. I shouldn't give any pushback. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, yeah. is that serving me though? Like, is that getting me to the level I want to be at? Is it serving my clients? Is it like dangerous for my clients? You know, whatever the case is, there was definitely this neutral zone which William Bridges writes about transition 
Um, and he has a beautiful theory about transition and he talks about like this discomfort that people experience when they're in the re-identification process and like coming into a new part of their identity and shedding their old identity where you have to start to define yourself, your new identity based on what you want. And so that transition period for me was like, okay, now how do I learn how to give professional feedback um, rather than being kind of like passive aggressive or being um, just rebellious for no reason? Mm. Luckily, it happened early enough in my career, but it was uncomfortable to, to have mm. those challenges and to like shed those southern values that were so ingrained for sure that yo okay yeah, I'm sorry, my, my emotion, question I'm sorry. was how did that if you remember how did that emotionally feel for you it felt like i was being disobedient to a parent mm. like mm. because when you think about like all of the messages that you maybe not you like but we as southern people mm -hmm. have gotten from our parents of like you know just just basic values that you have listened to and heard and followed your entire life mm -hmm. and then suddenly i'm talking back to someone who is Man. an authority yeah, figure. Yeah. that's real yo yeah. it's like i'm being disobedient right now i could i could be punished for this there could be a consequence this, for this. who knows what's gonna happen exactly who knows and that f navigating that fear mm -hmm. especially as a young woman mm -hmm. is like well how do i navigate mm -hmm. how do mm -hmm. i navigate this fear how am i going to get my point across how am i going to stand up for myself and then also stand up for what i believe in mm -hmm. and developing language to be able to do that in a way that's constructive rather than destructive for myself or the other person, not letting it come out as an attack, but also not letting it come out in a way that lacks confidence. Like I want to make sure that what I'm saying is grounded in, in, in confidence and truth and safety for all parties involved and, and compassion for myself and the other, the other person. Mm. And, and I'm going to tell you like, this is so crazy that she said this, that she's like reading my whole life a little bit low key. <laughs> Bro, I had to share mine because my wife is not one of them. Like, I came, I was never, so I think my thing is, I grew up in a household, uh, do you need us to chill for a second? Um, no, nah, that one's still going, so you guys can go ahead. Okay, alright. So, like, I came up, this is what's crazy, my mom never really had to, like, you the man in your house, because the head of my household was a woman, mm -hmm. so I never really viewed women as, like, like, inferior. It was just like... Mm -hmm. The person I, you know, my dudes did her damn thing. So it was like, oh, okay, women got they. She worked. She, I saw her stood up, to, stand up to men like my basketball coaches, mm -hmm. the, like different instances where she wasn't having that. Mm -hmm. And Britt is a very strong-minded, vocal woman. Mm -hmm. So, but like it was, I'm gonna tell you what was so crazy, uncomfortable to me, when my friends could understand why me and Britt were so like compatible because we both had opinions. Mm -hmm. Like it was never a like. Oh, when I say that this is the way it go, like I hate the head of the household talk yeah. thing because mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. Mm. Like I, I think it sounds good for paper and for social media, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, these decisions are made together. Yeah. yeah, like it may be certain things she's the head on because I don't. That's her realm. Mm -hmm. Certain things I'm the head on, like strength and weakness. You know what I'm saying? But and we're we're exiting out like protection or anything like that. Like I, that's just mm -hmm. to me. I feel like that's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. to, to, to you know what I'm saying? But. Like, I had to go through, like, I'm like, dang, bro, like, she, she, first of all, she's opinionated, 
Britney's natural voice is loud. And again, she's opinionated. It don't bother me. <laughs> opinionated twice. <laughs> but but because you want to know why I am. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was like, I don't want nobody that's not going to say how they feel. Yeah. I don't want nobody that's not going to stand up for themselves. because Super repression. Because, you know what I'm saying? And, and now that we got kids, like, you know, God forbid, I'm not here one day. I, I know they're good. She's going to teach them without seeing it from me. So from the other end, like I was, I got married at 23 too. So mm-hmm. it was like. People really started like, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, you the man, da da da. I'm like, hey, it took me a long time. I'm like, bro, shut up. Our house, no, nah, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. our, <laughs> like, our house, mm-hmm. your house. Mm-hmm. What works mm-hmm. here may not work there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's crazy because it's Southern values, bro. Like, mm-hmm. up here, Brittany fits in perfectly because women yes. are doing their thing. They have their careers, the masters agree. Like, and it's not so, a. So, down there, it's really like. It's not like they teach you it, but you can yeah. feel it when you're in place. You it's just it. the way it... Bro, my, my grandmother and my grandfather, he military, worked the whole time. She would stay at home. Mm-hmm. So she didn't... They didn't teach me that, but that's what I saw. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it was just like my grandma... My grandmother did not work. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of summers there type. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But... um, I have a follow-up question to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with... Can you stop laughing at me? <laughs> like so, the whole pep talk before it don't even matter, right? So the question was, hold on, I'm dang, I just lost it. When it comes back, then okay. I'll we'll, we'll, we'll all right, I got you. So uh with, with all those I'm so things. Mad that I lost it. Kind, kinda uh with that. Um you got, got it? it. Yeah, okay. I got it. So when you guys were talking about finally getting to the phase of speaking up um for your boundaries did you guys lose a lot of friends and if so were they intimate friendships and how did that how did that feel are you guys still grieving over that or mm. how did that that for me that's both hard. it could be for both of you guys right now i can't think of a friendship of value that i lost mm-hmm. when i was creating new boundaries um and re-identifying myself i can't th- i can't I mean, I feel like I I gained so much more. Maybe that's why I didn't recognize the loss because I gained so much more that it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a loss. Sure. I'm gonna just say yes. I'm not even gonna go deep. I'm gonna just say yeah. yes because I don't think they were real friendships. As mm. as close as we were, as real as you think things are, people that's really with you, you don't lose. I just don't think. I think they respect the trans. I think. You say if like the people that rocks with her heavy, the people that rocks with you heavy, when you start to elevate, like I don't think they, like they know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like they fit in those those areas. Like you know, it's it's kind of like this. Every time I go back to North Carolina, no matter all the great things, I'm super blessed. The things that happen to me, I'm just Keenan again. Mm-hmm. It's not if I if I ever gotta walk and not just be Keenan. It's like those aren't my peoples for yeah. real. Like you know what I'm saying? If I gotta do, if I gotta. Hey, bro, you, nah. Fake the funk. It ain't that you fake the... It, I don't even want to say fake the funk. It's like the second somebody treats me like they don't know me, I know they were never really my peoples. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, did I lose people? Yes. When she like when she says, like, I gained so much, like... Mm, and the people that's rocking with me basically still here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, to answer that question, I'm going to say yes. Because I think you just learn your values mm-hmm. and when people are on the line with that and you really intact with what you value and what you value doesn't have to always be career money business or mm-hmm. stuff like that it could just be 
like exercise church just for mm-hmm. example yeah like this is during brunch hour like I, mm-hmm. some people like nah bro i just enjoy this more now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy movies by myself on fridays now instead of being at a happy hour that's just who i am now strong not every friday but yeah most fridays yeah. you know what i'm saying but but that's legitimately like who i've grown to be i like i like coming home i like my son i like my wife i they don't bother me mm-hmm. i don't hate being home so like i'm not gonna do anything to mess that up did I? I don't know if I answered your question. It did. Okay, it did. I got you. Um, oh. Yeah, I was just gonna say to that point about like l- losing people, even when like values and understanding of shedding old values changed. My, I've never had a value on my own family. I mean, I've I've never wanted to be a mother. I've never wanted mm-hmm. to like birth children, get married. Like it's never been my thing. Mm-hmm. But family and quality relationships Mm. are huge to me so when my friends started to have children Mm -hmm. i had to learn how to navigate okay i don't really want to be associated with the children that's not my strong interest Mm -hmm. but i love this person this is one of my quality friends this relationship still is important to me Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to open myself up to this relationship with Mm. this little person Mm. so even though it it was a transition in terms of shedding that Southern value of like family for myself. I was still able to kind of merge the, my old ideas with my new ideas so that I can maintain some of the quality relationships that still held on to those old values. Mm. That's, that's yeah. Were you always like that? Like very considerate of like, I guess other people's just being, Cause it's almost like it's almost like I, I'm considerate too, right? But like I'm gonna go back to what you said earlier really quickly, and then we can get off of it. But like the social media thing, I've never heard somebody say that. Mm-hmm. For we've been in the pandemic, well, this situation for almost two years now, mm-hmm. over two years now. I've yeah, never heard, heard somebody say like, of... "Nah, I just mm-hmm. think that it's been so hard for other people." Like I want to be considerate of that. Is it, I'm okay. Like, so have you always been aware of people's energy is a big word right now, but like their situations when it comes to how you fit into their life? Have you always been like that or what you've learned has made you like that? I've always been like that because I've been on the other side too. Mm. I've been the Mm. one that had nothing that like had no one Mm -hmm. that looked at other people and thought like, wow, they must be really happy or... Mm -hmm you know, they have so many people or they have so many things, they have so much food, like whatever it was when I was growing up and without. So because I've been on that side, I'm very aware of how easy it is to misunderstand Mm. when, when you don't have, and you think people do, Mm. it's easy Mm. to compare in a negative way that brings more shame. And Mm. that's like, Mm. I don't want people to misunderstand and think that, oh, she has all these things and I should feel shame about what I don't have. Or she's she has all this joy and I should feel shame that I don't have that. Um, because that's not the full picture. Mm. And I'd much rather show nothing than mm. to have to like feel guilt or over-explain or seem um, like I lack compassion. Got you. So before we close out, I have to ask this last question. 
Do you feel, not to yourself personally, do you think in your experiences, I'm just going to ask the question, why do you think adult friendships are so hard to navigate? Hmm. And you may not feel like they are. And it may be me projecting, but I'm asking. Yeah, I I don't have the experience of, personally, of adult mm-hmm. friendships being hard to navigate. But mm-hmm. I can imagine that they're difficult because transition, like we've been talking about, mm-hmm. when part of the friendship our partnership is stagnant and another part is growing or moving. Mm. Those things don't always come into alignment. Mm. And when there's a lot of like self focus and there's not a lot of us focus or even an ability to, to go away from one another and come back with understanding, then the ball gets dropped. I mean, Mm. relationships take maintenance And so even if I step away from my friendships for a while, when we come back together, there's the understanding that we're going to spend intentional energy on cultivating and renewing that relationship. Mm. And a lot of people don't, a a lot of adults, like you, you spoke earlier about like adults in maturity, like a lot of adults don't have intentionality. They're just acting like I said, with no value system, no foundation. So if the relationship is not important to them, even if they go away from it, they can't come back in a way that's healthy and loving and actually reconnects. Got you. Dope. So before we, before we, so I heard you talk, talk earlier about, you know, launching a business, where you at, give us as much as you can about some of the things that you see yourself doing in the wellness field what you would like to accomplish in that business while it's launching what it's about if you can i know yeah um my business study stoop is a business that assists counselors future Mm -hmm. counselors with preparing for their counseling exams cpce and nce and um it's a very niche business and um in addition i'll continue psychotherapy i hope to publish some books soon in the nope. in the future, maybe um, in the next year, couple years. That's what's so. up? I'll be reading them. <laughs> That's what's up. And yeah, I'll, I'll continue to teach fitness and practice fitness, yoga. Um, that's it. Right now, I'm just trying to be as joyous and peaceful as possible. That's what's up. Millennials versus the world. K dot. We got destiny oh. and the camera guy Ty. The camera got tired. Intern. Yes, sir. We out.